Welcome back to another episode of Another Mother Podcast, a safe place for blended families to unravel the blended chaos and share lessons learned, the good, the bad, and the high conflict. I'm your host, Dana. I've been a struggling and confused stepmom for over eight years now, and I'm finally feeling like I'm starting to find my groove while flailing and failing along the way. Now let's grab a drink and talk some shit. Welcome back to another episode of Another Mother Podcast, episode 36. I am so excited today. We have a pretty stellar guest um, that I'm excited to introduce to you guys. She's the owner of The Wellness Element, which is a health education brand that aims to empower you to become your own healer. Jess will help you get the answers your doctor couldn't give you so you can finally solve your symptoms rather than suppress them. She has an honors degree in kinesiology, master's degree in physiotherapy, diploma of nutritional therapy, diploma of sports massage and soft tissue therapy. And most recently, she is a wife and mom to a beautiful baby boy. There's no limits to what she can't do. And to make things even more fun, we went to high school together. O'Neill. <laughs> so everybody, welcome yes. Jess to the podcast. <laughs> Hi guys, thanks for having me here. <laughs> it's nice to see your face and an old familiar face, hey? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I hope I've got everything, all your accomplishments um, correct there, Jess. You've certainly been busy over the last, um, oh God, how long has it been? Is it like... Oh, I don't know, like since 2007? <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so I you've know. been up to a lot, a lot, a lot. It's a lot. It's been um, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of money for sure. Um, so yeah, I just want to, I, I think it was really important to bring you on the show and I'm so happy that you accepted to come on here. Um, I know it's a little bit of a different um, audience, but I think together all the same, it's really important to hear um, a lot about what you're promoting, what you're learning and what you're putting out there for all of us um, to learn more about when it comes to our bodies and our minds and um, just like the non-mainstream narrative of those things. So um, if you don't mind, Jess, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and just what's led you to take control of your own health and help others do the same. Yeah, so um, there's probably looking back now a long culmination of events and things that have kind of led me to this point. Um, in high school, I was pretty into sports. I was on the wrestling team and did rugby. I carried both of those over into university, ended up doing both internationally while living in England as well. Um, so that sport kept me on the straight and narrow for the most part. Um, and it also, in order to stay in my weight class with wrestling and things like that, I needed to eat fairly healthy. Um, because I wasn't someone who could just lose, you know, I'm not very big to begin with. I couldn't just go in the sauna and lose the weight. So nutrition was an important part. And I started paying attention to that a little bit, um, you know, through my university years. And then as university continued on, I kind of noticed that my health started to decline. Um, just small things at first, you know, I became allergic to beer, which when you're at university is not, not a great thing. Um, and then I started having other food allergies. I started having like a few random here and there, like anaphylactic things and never to the same thing. They never really made sense. Couldn't get any answers for them. Um, I also had a few concussions and different other things. So I ended up getting involved obviously in physiotherapy as a consumer, which is where I got introduced. Um, but all in all, it was just an experience where I wasn't totally sure what was happening in my body. Um, while simultaneously trying to be healthy and learn as much about health as I could in another avenue of life. So, um, I think going from there, that was kind of a, a starting point. I, I had a, a section of time where my hair started falling out and things like that, mm. kind of following those like allergies. So it was just really, you know, random things that were happening to me that I couldn't piece together that never really flagged up as being anything serious. Um, and looking back now, it kind of all the pieces were there of the puzzle. I just didn't know that they went together. Um, so when I went mm -hmm. over to England, um, I started having some other symptoms. Let me jump back one step because when I was in Thunder Bay going to university, um, I did have one experience that I kind of called like 
part of my disenfranchisement from medicine. Um, not that I'm totally against it, it's just it doesn't do a great job of making us healthy and being proactive against about our health. So I had right. a bout of kind of severe pain. Um, I went to, we had sports medicine doctors on staff um, and I went to them and they couldn't really figure out what was going on. It was just terrible pain in my back for days on end. I was going to my massage therapist, our sports team therapist, like everything, every single day. And I went to the hospital three times over the course of a week. Every time I got sent home, they said, if it's not bad enough that you're taking Advil and Tylenol, it obviously can't be that bad. Um, finally, after about 10 days of being in extreme pain, I went to a walk-in clinic and the doctor said, your fever is 105. I'm pretty sure either your appendix has ruptured or you have a cyst on your ovary that's ruptured. You need to be in the hospital right now. This is life-threatening basically. Um, and when I went there, you know, it still took a while, um, but they finally got got me in and they said, yeah, you know, I went for emergency surgery. My appendix had been probably ruptured for four days. It was just basically leaking everything into my body. And so just that was one call to be like, hey, I need to start listening to my intuition more than I'm listening to these other people who are not the experts in my Mm -hmm. body. Fast forward, I'm in England. Um, As part of my requirement for placements, I have to have all of my shots up to date. Um, So in England, it's standard to have a live um, version of, I just don't want to say it so that you don't get in trouble, Um, but a live shot of TB. And at that time, that was standard. I didn't have any, you know, inclinations as to anything. So I did that as well. Um, and I had a really bad adverse reaction after. So I ended up getting really sick. Um, I was sick for a few weeks straight. I ended up losing the job that I had when I was there. And I had this infection in my arm that leaked for about six to eight weeks. It was disgusting. Um, oh my gosh. And so that was the next kind of like, you know, again, I didn't even actually really put things together then, but I was working in traumatic brain injury at the time. And the neurologist that I worked alongside, who was highly specialized, asked me one day, he said, I don't want you to take this personally, but do you have a traumatic brain injury? (laughs) Because just the difference of me in the morning versus in the evening or the beginning of the week to the end of the week, he noticed such a big change in my personality and my speech recall and all these things um, that, you know, he he deals with all the time. And I -hmm. thought it was just a relapse of my concussion symptoms. And I realized that that kind of event had pushed me back a little bit um, in terms of my neurology and things like that. So that was another, just a little example. Um, There's a a few more that kind of go on and, you know, as the years continue, I go to my doctor um, probably a dozen times over a two, three year span. I get sent to rheumatologists. I get sent to infectious disease doctors to see if there's anything there, um, ear, nose, and throat specialists, allergens, everyone, and no one really has the answers for me. So, you know, I am at the point where I just want to be healthy. I'm just asking them, like, what is, what am I missing here? What do I have to do? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to, you know, continue in the direction that I'm going. And what I asked about is, is it possible that I'm not absorbing my nutrients? Is it possible that I'm allergic to something that I'm eating all the time because it's so consistent? I mean, I was sneezing 20 times, or sorry, 20, I wish, 200 times a day. You know, my hair was falling out, my glands were swollen, I had rashes all over my body. And they just said, all those things are normal. Lots of people have those things. You're young, you're healthy, it's fine. It's probably just stress. And when I brought up the nutrition piece, they said, we don't consider nutrition as part of medicine. So you probably know more than we do. And it was just kind of that light bulb moment that I needed at that point. Like, you know, if you went to a mechanic and said, I've been putting orange juice in my car every day and I'm not sure why it doesn't run, you like, it would be no, yeah, you know, it would be so easy to be like, ah. And so when they said like what we're putting into our bodies every single day has no impact and they don't consider it as part of medicine, it just woke me up. And so I ended up taking my nutrition uh, diploma and that all focuses in on nutrition in the context of epigenetics. So how does nutrition or anything in your environment, including stress, um, how does that play into your genes? And so it can basically be, you know, the light switch that turns on or off certain genes and therefore um, makes you more susceptible to certain diseases. So that was kind of my nutrition training. And since then, I've just been down, you know, a rabbit hole really of all things health. Um, so lots of courses, lots of education. Um, my husband jokes that I don't have any hobbies. I read research papers on the weekend at 9am on Saturday <laughs> and I'm a lunatic. So um, yeah, I just, I find it fascinating. And my goal now is to help everyone else uh, learn about their bodies so that they can feel empowered to do some of these things for themselves. Because a lot of it isn't as complicated as we think. Isn't that 
so crazy, Jess. That's like a wild ride of events. I can't even imagine like what that felt like. And I can't even imagine for someone like you, that's like, you know, for, I mean, as long as I've ever known you, I mean, you were very fit. You were very into sports. You were very into nutrition and taking care of yourself. So for someone that maybe isn't as in tune to like try to dive deeper into their health, like, can you imagine the road that you could have possibly gone down? Had you not been already who you, who you were? Yeah. It's, it's so easy to outsource the, the information because we don't know. Right. And we're expecting Mm -hmm. that these other people know. So when I ask, Hey, could it be an allergy? Could it be something? And they say, well, we don't even consider that, you know, I'm giving all my power to that answer that I'm hoping to get back and I don't get it back. Right. And so it can be uh, Mm -hmm. definitely, you know, for me, who was someone, like you said, pretty in tune with things, um, that was already mm-hmm. like a major roadblock. So I can only imagine for someone who doesn't have the education or the background or anything like that to also feel, you know, like they have any anywhere to go, you know, and I feel like that's that's my mm-hmm. people that I work with is the people that feel like they've kind of slipped through the cracks and they're now going, mm-hmm. well, what do I do now? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's like the biggest piece for me as an and someone maturing into adulthood, I guess you could say, was like having a baby and starting to go through, um, you know, like, I mean, as a kid, as an adult, as a teenager, I didn't really visit the doctor all too much, like just for checkups, there was nothing major really going on. But until I started like, actually getting more into like doctor's appointments for my pregnancy, um, or like my doctor's appointments with my baby or my C-section or anything like that, I kind of was like, a little, it's a little scary to feel like maybe they don't know as much as I feel like they should probably know about my body and my baby. Yeah. So it is a little yeah. bit alarming, I, not to, not to take away from, from everybody's, you know, education or anything like that. But like you said, as far as our overall health, I really, really, really thought nutrition, um, mental health, um, if I'm sleeping or anything like that, I really thought that was part of the bigger picture, but it's, it is funny when you do visit a lot of doctors, they're just like, no, no, we'll just normalize that. We'll write on a piece of paper. We'll write your prescription and we'll just yeah, call it and a I'm day. Not against, you know, medicine or doctors, you know, it saved my life. I'm yeah. sure. And it's done that for other people. There's great times to be reactionary and to take, Mm -hmm. you know, emergency medicine seriously. Um, But it's also not the system or the place that focuses on optimal health. You know, Um, you're seeing someone who spends seven minutes with you. They don't ask about your lifestyle. They don't ask how you sleep, how you eat, you know, what stress you have. They just ask, are you stressed now? Um, Mm -hmm. So really, my goal is to be a source of education and information that helps bring root cause solutions to restore wellness or a feeling of wellness. Um, so you're not kind of just, you know, beating a dead horse at the doctor's office when you're missing so many pieces of the puzzle that are right there in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's awesome, Jess. And I think we need more people like that. And I agree with you. I mean, had we not had hospitals and the Western medicine, as we call it at this point, I I probably wouldn't be alive today as well. Um, I think there's time and places. I think as far as preventative, I think people like you are the best where I feel like Western medicine, it's kind of like that bandaid of like, let's get you fixed now that the damage has been done. Right. Um, And I think that's, I, I think that we haven't normalized that enough of like, we should take care of ourselves now and do the things now so that we don't need the other stuff exactly. later. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's been great. I mean, I've been following along on your Instagram uh, for the last year or so. I think we kind of like reconnected through like the, the whole lockdown and the big C word. <laughs> Um, So that's been really great because I've been a lot more like, how can I take better care of myself? How can I, you know, not get um, these illnesses that are just seem to be going around and that people can't get rid of? Um, And I just feel like I'm really relearning how to take care of my body and my mind and just trying to wean out the bad habits that we've been um, just kind of shoved down our throats over the last, I mean, since I've been alive. Um, And I especially love some of your recent content on stress and the effect it has on our body. 
And I just thought it was really important and couldn't help but feel like this was an important discussion to talk about with not only stepmoms, but just anybody who's in a blended family or just in a high stress um, situation, whether it be work, um, just anything, any type of way of life. So, and I just think you know, when you talked about the nervous system and stress and what the effects it can have on your body, it really just brought me back to um, a lot of the experiences we've had with, you know, custody, uh, mediation, court battles, alienation, just all the things that I feel like have been some of the biggest stressors in my life. And I feel like that's where I really started to like, not take care of myself. Um, So I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about the stress and what that does to our body and how our body perceives stress. Yeah. So I think it's a really interesting system, um, the nervous system Mm -hmm. in general. And when I went through physiotherapy school, it was actually my least favorite, um, you know, of all my subjects because anatomy and injuries, anything with bones, muscles, all that was really black and white. You know, there was a trajectory that Mm -hmm. I knew was roughly going to happen. And and there was easy expectations where neurology was just totally like literally 50 shades of gray. You don't know what you're getting. You could do the exact same thing every day and your body responds differently. So for me, who was, you know, I'm a recovering type A um, personality and I needed all the answers that didn't fly well, but as I've kind of learned and I've pieced it together, it's just the most fascinating thing. Um, So I see it a lot and I relate to it a lot in my physiotherapy practice. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that and then kind of apply it. Um, Yeah. It's quite literally the make or break of your health. If you like, you can eat well, you can drink well, you can exercise, but if you're in a state of chronic emotional stress, you're not really going to be able to heal, be healthy or thrive. And trauma and emotions can live inside the tissues in your body. So a traumatic experience can be stored in the tissues of your body and then be relived when something reminds you of that or whatever. And for women, that's particularly bad because it usually manifests as autoimmune disease later in life. Um, So that was something to kind of pay attention to. But I want to kind of talk about this, you know, two main reasons or two main things I want to talk about in this thing. And one is that your brain really can't tell the difference between something it experiences itself and something that you're witnessing. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Um, And the other thing is that we're in a state of probably the epidemic is depression, anxiety, and stress, you know, if you ask me. And it can be improved on a lot if we understand how our bodies work and we start to use daily practices, habits, things like that to really kind of make the needle move a little bit. So our body, our body, sorry, is hardwired to seek safety. You actually have divisions of your nervous system that are spending all day, every day, assessing and evaluating your surroundings and your environment to try to respond accordingly. So you've probably heard of fight or flight. Most people have heard of that. The opposite system mm-hmm. of that, that's your sympathetic nervous system. But the opposite one is your rest and digest or your parasympathetic. doesn't really matter the names. I'm not going to get too sciencey on it, but just so you know. So our body is constantly looking at assessing our safety level around us, and then it kind of responds accordingly in one of those two categories. So either the fight or flight or the rest and digest. Um, Traditionally, the reason that's important is because if we go back to, you know, our ancestors or how we would have been as cavemen, you know, if a lion came up and we were like just casually sitting there, we'd need to get away real quick. And so when Mm -hmm. our fight or flight nervous system is aroused or turned on, it's going to prioritize where our energy goes and how our body responds. So things that are not important are going to be shut down. And that's going to be things like digestion, things like your immune system, um, you know, just those everyday kind of functions that keep us healthy and well. And where that energy is Mm -hmm. going to go is into our legs and arms, our blood flow is going to go there, eyes are going to dilate, our heart is going to race, and we're going to basically be prepared again to fight or to flight, so run away. Um, And we don't recognize that we're putting ourselves in that all day long, every day, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So if we're not ever getting really to the point of feeling safe and secure and restoring and rest and getting restful purposes in our body going, you know, it's no wonder why we kind of feel burnt out and things like that. And now I want to kind of loop this into my other thing that matters is because we're in state of stress all the time, even when you don't really think about it, you are. So um, 
your brain, like I said, it can't tell the difference of what you're experiencing and what you're just witnessing. And that's because it's all done in chemical processes. So if you're watching the news and you see something that sounds very scary, traumatic, maybe there's some something to do with families or, you know, whatever your audience is kind of paying attention to, that is going to elicit a little spark or chemical uh, reaction of fear in our body. And from there, you know, your body goes, oh, the alarm bells for fear were rung or nervousness or safety or whatever, right? And then it continues Mm -hmm. that process and it starts kind of pushing you into that fight or flight nervous system. And then, like I said, all those things happen in your body. So if that's happening because you're watching something, um, we really got to start being mindful of what we're watching, what we're consuming in general, right? Because now it becomes not just the conversation you have with your ex that pissed you off. It also becomes seeing something on TV and then seeing something on social media. And, you know, all these little things are constant reminders that you're not in that sense of safety. You're not in a place of security and your body is really going to start to um, downregulate processes that you need to. And I want to touch on one more thing in this. And this is the second point of why we see this translate to depression and anxiety so much. So if like we just talked about, your body is prioritizing all your bodily functions towards being able to fight or fly away. It's not doing the normal routine stuff. So your digestion is going to be impaired. And that is really important because that is where most of your chemicals that deliver or are delivered up to your brain are made. So your brain and your gut communicate all day long. Your gut is actually what many call it the second brain. And it makes these chemicals and it sends them up the vagus nerve to your brain. And then you feel the feelings in your brain. So 50% of our dopamine, which is your like feel good, happy hormone is made. Um, that one's gives you a sense of pleasure, reward, those types of things. So those feelings of you just accomplished something. Yes, I feel great. Or, you know, a visit went really well. That was awesome. All those things, that's dopamine. And 50% of mm-hmm. that is made in your gut. Serotonin is your feelings of joy, your feelings of happiness, and also links to your mood stability and a lot of other things like your memory, your, your sexual desires, your body temperature, all those things. 95% of your serotonin is made in your gut. So if 50% of your dopamine and 95% of your serotonin are made in your gut and then they're delivered up to your brain, but you're in a state of stress, so your body's not prioritizing that, you can see how we're not getting those feel-good, happy hormones. We're still getting those bad ones that are, you know, floating around through other processes in our body, but we're not getting those really good, feel-good, happy, you know, I've done something well, reward. And so when that's not being triggered on a daily basis because we're in a state of stress, which is, you know, down-regulating digestion, which means these hormones aren't top priority for our body. It's no wonder we're seeing a lot of these feelings of, you know, depression, anxiety, or just melancholy, really. So that's, I wanted to paint a picture of just generally how stress works and, and drive home the point that it doesn't have to be a major massive stressor event. Your body doesn't know the difference. It's a chemical set of reactions. So once you spark that off, it's going to go. So you really need to kind of be mindful um, and just, you know, choose your battles, choose where you put your energy and find practices that help you kind of downregulate your stress and feel a sense of safety. No doubt. I think that's crazy the way you explain that, because really it's like even just the bad habits we have of just and I know I'm guilty of it, of just like rolling over in the morning. I always check my phone because my husband works away. So I'm always just checking to make sure that he got back to his hotel. Okay. But it's like, then I find myself scrolling and going through all the things. And it's like, I'm literally waking up stressing myself over things that I really don't actually feel like I'm really stressing myself, but that's how my body is perceiving it. Like it's like starting the day off on the wrong foot every day. Right. We are all like that. It's a bad habit. And you know, Kudos to the social media gods that have been making it addictive because it is, but not even to mention anything I just talked about. When you look at blue light on your phone, it spikes your cortisol and cortisol is your stress Mm. hormone. So you are basically putting yourself just by witnessing that screen in your eyeballs, you're putting yourself into a state of stress hormonally, which, you know, is going to change all of your other mineral balances, your like progesterone, estrogen, the flow of all your hormones, all that's going to be impacted. So yeah, if you can break that habit, (laughs) that'd be good. Dang it. Like that is insane. Okay. 
I just really need. And so do you off, not really off topic, but those like blue light glasses, do you notice there's a difference in those? I do notice, um, a really good pair is really, really expensive. And that's because they block like 60 plus percent. A cheap pair blocks about 30%. It is better than nothing. There's also this thing that you can do on your phone and you can change the color, um, of your phone to, to be more red light or there's night mode. There's also night mode. So I put night mode on at like four o'clock. Really, we're supposed to be going by the sun. So all of our hormones, again, this is off topic from what I was going to talk about, but our hormones are driven by sunlight. So in the morning, if you can even hold off getting on your phone and just go stand outside for five or 10 minutes, your body is going to register the colors of the sunlight. You know, in the mornings, they're more you know, warm tones, things like that. It's going to start waking you up. And then in the evening, again, if you have the time, go outside, you know, just before sunset, sorry, um, and get outside because our hormone cycles, and for women, we go on a 24-hour hormone cycle, so this is really important, is all driven Mm -hmm. by sunlight. So that is going to tell us when it's daytime, when it's nighttime, when to peak what hormone. And so if you find yourself being someone who can't fall asleep at night or is up all night, thinking about whatever, you know, there's other things as well that obviously it could be, but getting your cortisol pattern and when that's released is very important. And your phone just totally hijacks that. Wow. Okay. That's really, really good advice. I definitely will be taking that more into it because it's like, oh, just the bad habits of things. And I think you just need to start small. Like, I think you just yep. really need to just start with like small little habits like that of just like, okay, well, maybe I can bring the phone downstairs. I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to put it there. I'm going to st- go outside, maybe let my dogs out, whatever it is, and yeah. just take it in that way instead. That's a better idea. And yeah, I'm also I'm- rethinking my horror movie obsession. I was really into <laughs> horror movies. Okay, um, and like, it's, it's true. Like women are, we do this to ourselves. Like, I mean, I'm not one who's big on it, but all my friends are like, I listen to like murder podcasts and drink ice cu- coffees oh. and I don't know why I'm stressed. And I'm like, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing restorative and calm there. <laughs> no, no. And I'm that person too. I think I listen to it. I listen to true crime once a week because I don't know why. I just, I think my theory is like, I better, I need to do my research so I'm prepared. So this doesn't happen to me or something like that. Like that's my, my theory in my brain of like why I watch it. But uh, I've noticed since like becoming a mother and becoming a stepmother that my like quote unquote obsession with actually watching like stressful shows or stressful movies that are like horror movies that I've always been into. I can't watch as much because I feel like I just experience maybe too much stress throughout the day already that I'm like, I just need something funny that I can just laugh to and just giggle and fall asleep. Like that's what I need at the end of the day now. But, and you're talking wow. about it as if you have no rhyme or reason as to why you do that. But that's your intuition talking to you, right? That is yeah. your intuition yeah. saying, I am stressed. I'm kind of on sensory overload right now. Don't mm-hmm. worry me about being murdered in the bathtub tonight. <laughs> thing. So, so it does make sense. And those are the little things you have to start listening to. Mm-hmm. If you really want to get in tune with your body, you notice those mm-hmm. things, it's a game changer. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I will definitely do better at that. Um, Yeah. And I just think that's so important, especially with like, I mean, to me, um, I'm a little bit more out of the phase where I'm, you know, constantly fighting with um, my spouse's ex or anything like that. Not that we really did all that much, but anytime I would see her name even come up on my phone, I'd be like, Like it would just uh, like just all this rage, all this. And then I'm like basically done for the rest of the day. Like I'm really never able to regulate myself the same. It's just crazy. So I just think that's like really important to realize like that your body is already unknowingly taking in all that stress. We already are experiencing that much more maybe on a daily or weekly basis. So like trying to limit those things and take in the positives instead, right? Like maybe... Maybe don't watch something. Maybe go for a walk. That might be a little more positive, right? Totally. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that was my next question too, in regards to just like, I guess in the last, since I've realized, like I, I'm already in the phase where I I know friends that are around our age. So early to mid thirties that are getting cancer, um, 
you know, depression, things like that. Like, and I, I mean, we're, to me, we're still fairly young and I just feel like I'm seeing more and more and more and more illnesses, um, in, in young people. So my question was, is like, I just feel like there's so much hype these days over hustle culture and we just unknowingly have so much pressure and stress and everything put on ourselves on a regular basis. Um, and that if we're not being productive and worthy and working our asses off 24 seven, then we're just not worthy of, you know, putting our feet up at the end of the day. So do you feel like the impacts of stress are talked about enough in public health and that maybe we just have a whole other way that we should maybe be living our lives instead of just hustle, 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 work your ass off. And maybe that's yeah. what's leading to these illnesses. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. nothing around health is talked about enough in public health, um, <laughs> really. But if we don't get down that rabbit hole and we stay on topic, I think it's totally the case. We... I did personal training for a number of years. I did group personal training, individual, whatever. And I would have some people who were very big, very heavy. They would train six, seven days a week. Sometimes they do two workouts in a day. They'd be in restrictive diets and they're not losing a pound. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. they had it to lose. It usually generally comes off easier. They were doing all the things and they're not losing it. And that is because again, if we think back to that state of stress, our body is going to, if we're being chased by that lion or whatever I mentioned before, it's going to downregulate those processes. You're holding on to things. You don't know when your next meal is. You don't know whatever. And so your body is not going to hormonally want you to lose weight. It's not, it's going to hold on to whatever it has um, in terms of food and nutrients and things to survive. And that doesn't mm-hmm. totally tie into your question, but I just wanted to kind of create the, the picture around when your body's in a state of stress, it doesn't matter what it is. And in that case, that's too much. You know, you're not nourishing yourself enough. You're overworking yourself. You're overstressing yourself. Any of those things, your body goes into survival mode. It's not focused on thriving. It's focused on surviving. Just get through one more day. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. you really need to start asking yourself, you know, is this hustle, is this obligation or whatever, you know, at what cost to my health? And is it really that important? I think those are important things, you know, and we also have a lot of pressures on us to do it all. I don't know when it shifted. And certainly I think the solution is to get back towards it, but we are all individual families living in the individual houses that we spend all our lives working towards. And we, you know, get the cars and the house and all these things that we don't actually get to enjoy because we're working and we're working so mm-hmm. much to things and it's just this cycle of like why did we think we needed so much and why did everyone have to do it all on their own right and you know my husband Artie today joked about divorcing me over this because I'm pitching the idea (laughs) of a commune every day to him with a couple Mm -hmm. couples right because it's just the fact that imagine if we were a community again a small scale community where you know you help take all the little kids in the practice to hockey you know, the one day and then someone else did the other day and you got little breaks and little windows of time. How much would that, you know, how much would that do for you, for your nervous system? Imagine if you had a full day of no obligations, nothing to do for the kids, a full day of whatever you wanted. You know what I mean? And we don't have any of that time because we've divided stuff up and felt that we need to tick every single box and we need to do everything. And it's funny because, you know, I just had a baby and they say it takes a village and we're always like, okay, mm. yeah, but where's the village? <laughs> like, Where the hell are they? <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? That we've, yeah. we've just made it normalized that we try to do it all ourselves. And I just think that it's absolutely putting too much pressure on us. It's not giving us the time or the space to really heal, to regenerate. You know, even your sleep. You're sitting up at night thinking about what you got to do in the morning. Or you're setting your alarm for first thing. And then I got to tick this box after work. And I got to get that person to the practice. And I got to make this meal. And like... I'm a type A personality, so I'm, you know, maybe it's not all those things that I'm worried about, but why do I need to stay awake wondering what I'll do on Tuesday from two weeks from now? Or you know what I mean? Like, it's all this mundane stuff that we've just been programmed to worry about, and it doesn't matter, and it's costing us our health. I agree. I couldn't agree more, especially with the the village. I have a friend, we, we joke all the time, we're like where is everybody? Like, I thought people cared more. I thought they would want to help. I thought, cause you know, me and my nature, uh, I'm like with my nieces or my nephews, like I'm like, 
where do you need me? How can I help? Like I can squeeze anything into my week. Like I'll figure it out. I'll be there for you. But I just don't feel like it's necessarily reciprocated. And funny enough, like we looked into it and we, there are cultures still to this day where it's like, when you have a baby, it's not just you having the baby. They, there are like groups of women that come and they're with you at the birth. They're with you after the birth. They're with you for like a month (laughs) afterwards. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's like, can you imagine how much we would thrive as parents or mothers if we still, if like we had that type of village where it wasn't like, not only are we worrying about whether we can breastfeed our baby, but we also have to worry about, you know, the cleanliness of our house and making sure things are good there or like the dog's food for the collected. <laughs> like, right? Like, where is everybody? So I do agree with you on that. I just feel like we're, there's so much more worry just because it's just like a, a lone wolf situation. It's like we we aren't supposed to gather, you know, we aren't supposed yeah. to be united in a way. And if anything, the last three years has really, you know, segregated people even more, which is like uh, so yeah. heartbreaking to see because we need to come back together. Like so many things would just be better yeah. if we could, you know, source food together as a community and you could help each other out in mm-hmm. terms of school and academics and sports and hanging out, like yeah. just all of it. It needs to be, we need communities again. <laughs> Oh, I agree. And also like just touching on that weird topic of like my kids are clearly in sports and which is great. I love that they love it. And I love that they're getting the exercise and they're getting the socialization. But like, holy shit, do they over over schedule these kids like to the bitter end? Like we don't need a ton of like socialization groups like they're socializing in the change room. They're socializing on the ice. They're having a great time. I think having the odd thing is like fine, but it's crazy yeah. the amount of stress we're even just putting onto our children's plates. It's like they don't even have time to just be. Yeah, that's their expectation yeah. into adulthood, right? Is that feeling. Yeah. It's the same thing that yeah. social media does to us. It's a constant stimulus. Right. And when you don't have mm-hmm. it, you're like, oh, God, I'm void. What's happening? I'm bored. I, I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, we can't even sit and talk to people in waiting rooms as adults anymore. And it's because we feel we have to have that stimulus all the time. And yeah, I'm guilty for it too. I just wish someone would smash my phone so I could yeah. remedy this, you know, because I clearly haven't done it myself. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're really setting kids' nervous systems up to to expect what adulthood is like. And that's probably not the time for it. They should be kids. No, no, I I agree. And I just think like now that I'm like in tune and kind of awake to that, that I see it in myself, like my son said the other day, like, man, like m- mom, we're always going. Like, we're always going. And I'm like, oh, like, I hate that for you, buddy. <laughs> like, I, I hate that. But it's funny because I've tried to, you know, I homeschool him and I've tried to take, you know, the even just that stress of like school, not that it stresses everybody out, but school did stress him out and it always has. Um, so taking that away was great. But then I realized now that he's with me, we go all the places, right? We're always moving. We're always on the road. We're always going to the next thing. So I'm just trying to balance, balance that out, at least for the kids of like, if we get an invite or, um, you know, maybe a team needs us to go do something or there's this event, like sometimes we're just like, no. Yeah. And even just as much, like, like why not, why not schedule something into your, your, your schedule that's already busy and that you've got, you're going to need to do this, this and that. What if you schedule yeah. in like half an hour for like yoga together that you just download off the internet? Yeah. Yoga with Adrian is exactly. like great. Or you just do some breath work or you do something, right? Like something that's right. very calming. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, on that topic, Jess, um, what are some routines and rituals um, that you would recommend to calm your nervous system? Because I just feel like stress is almost like we can't avoid it. It's going to happen. There are just certain triggers that we do have. So say, you know, there's an irrational text coming in from the other co-parent or, you know, you're for me and my, my um, experience, it's, I see bio mom like three to four times a week because of extracurricular activities. So, and, and like, we're not fighting, but like just seeing her kind of spikes something in me where I'm like, Ugh. and I feel yeah. that stress. What are some things that we can do to like calm ourselves, whether it's in that moment or maybe it's later, or maybe it's before, you know, you're going to be stressed. So if we're speaking broadly, I want to go into an exercise, but before that, 
I would say things like yoga, meditation, breath work is really, really good. Um, I'm going to say this now and you can write it down or your listeners can write it down, but I want you to mm-hmm. even just try this exercise. So you're going to hold your breath, see how long you hold your breath for. For me, when I did this a couple weeks ago, it was 45 seconds or something like that. Okay. And then you are going okay. to breathe in on a pattern of belly, chest, exhale, belly, chest, exhale. And it's going to be a deep breath like Okay, I hope that that kind of translated across, but that's belly, chest, out. Do that for two to three minutes. Don't do it if you're standing up or whatever, because you can get lightheaded from it, and that's normal. Um, Mm -hmm. If you feel terrible, then obviously stop. But if you want to try one minute, try one minute of that straight. Put a timer on, do it. Then give yourself 10 or 15 seconds to kind of neutralize and recheck your breath. I held mine for two and a half minutes after. And that's how much different it changes your nervous system, the chemistry in your brain, and just resets your body. So in three minutes time, I went from 45 seconds to two and a half minutes. And that's, again, just because you've changed the neurology in your brain. So that's one quick little thing that doesn't take much. You could go outside, you could go to the bathroom, you know, just run into the bathroom, do your breath work in there. Hopefully no one walks in and thinks you're in labor. But aside from that, (laughs) you know, um, so there's those practices. I want to talk you through one thing that I've used. I've used it with clients. I've given it to other people. And everybody says the same thing on how um, impactful it is. And that is to ask yourself a question. So, for example, you go to... You get a text. You get a text from the biological mom. No, let's say you get a text from, for this example, we'll say it's a dad, right? The dad's going to mm-hmm. come pick up the kid and he texts you saying he's not going to be there on time. And you instantly mm-hmm. go, Ugh, again, like, mm-hmm. why not kind of thing. And so this is an opportunity where you have a moment to completely change the way you think. And it's going to save yourself so much stress. And the question I want you to ask yourself is whatever you're feeling, if it's anger or whatever. So he hasn't come, you're angry. The question is, do I think he intended to make me feel angry? As soon as you ask that question about the other person's actions, you're automatically going to downregulate your response nine times out of 10. Maybe they're a lunatic and they did try to make you angry, right? In that case, for oh, most yeah. people, I say, if that's a friend, then, you know, cut them out of your life with a parent in the situations that you're dealing with. You can't, obviously, but mm-hmm. for in that example, say he's not a terrible dad. He's just, you know, not great at the timing and whatever. And so you're angry, you're pissed off, but I want you to say, do I think he intended to make me feel this way? If the answer is no, then you have the opportunity to assess yourself and say, okay, well, why am I angry? And in Mm -hmm. this case, I'm just going to walk through a scenario. I don't know if it's right, wrong or whatever, but in that case, it could be I'm angry because it's as if we're not important to him or the child's not important to him. Right. And so then all of a sudden you went from this person did something to intentionally make me angry to I'm upset because I'm feeling like this child is not important, which reminds me of all the times I didn't feel important. Right. And now you've gotten yourself back to you and only you are responsible for your emotions. Again, nine times out of 10. And you have an opportunity there to assess that. So I always like to say whatever you can kind of it's an onion and you're peeling back the layers. So I'm angry. Why am I angry? Well, what does that mean? Or how does that remind me of something that I felt in the past? Because usually, you know, that's how your nervous system works. It gets on high alert for something that's happening that happened to you before and caused you pain. And it wants to create an emotional reaction to protect you from that. And from there, so now you're feeling angry because you're feeling like this is reminding you of the times that you weren't important or whatever the case is. And I want you to find a practice that makes you feel important. The second that you can start to find things that are going to make you feel important, you feel valued for yourself, you're going to change and nothing else is going to matter in terms of what that person did, right? So you're taking the responsibility or the, the emotional reaction, you're A, dissolving most of it. Because, you know, someone cuts you off in traffic and you go like, ah, whatever, I'm stressed. Did they mean like, I see that girl over there and I'm just going to go cut her off just to piss her off? Like, absolutely not. So when, when you say, did I, did they intend to make me angry? And the answer is no. Then you go, okay, well, they're not intending to it. I'm taking it that way. Why am I taking it that way? And what does that mean that I should work on or what can I do? So if you can start doing that for yourself 
You're going to make a big difference in your own state of stress, in your own health, in your own life, but also for your children because now you're not getting yourself wound up. You're not having those high peaks of anxiety or whatever, or things like that. Um, so yeah, I think that that's an important exercise. Hopefully the way I walked you through makes sense. It does. It does. It actually really puts um, a better mind space of like being in the driver's seat of your own emotions, really. Like it really does. That exercise takes you to just be like, I am in control of it. Why am I thinking this way? Okay, I better resolve it in this way. Because I feel like we're really, we're really good at too at perceiving texts as like, depending on who it's from as like, they're out to get you or they're you know, yeah. trying to make your life miserable when really it's just like a tax. Like we can perceive it in yeah. so many different ways. And that's your nervous system again, trying to protect you. So it's saying mm-hmm. like this person is saying something and you don't want to feel that way about yourself. So you get angry in defense, right? It's like all defense right. strategies, which not right. too deep into the psychology, but that's what it all comes down to. And if you can ask yourself, well, why am I feeling that way? And is there something that I can do for myself so that I don't feel that way? You know, and it could be a simple mm-hmm. thing. It could be like, I feel really good about myself when I make a meal for my family, right? And now all of a sudden, instead of feeling unimportant to this other person, you've just done something to provide for your family, to give you a sense of importance. And you were going to do it anyways, but now that you've thought about it intentionally, you're feeling that dopamine hit that we talked about before that you're not getting because of the stress. Mm -hmm. So you're feeling really rewarded. Amazing. No, that totally makes sense. I hope everybody, if you need to, you can pause, go back and maybe write that down, what Jess said. I think that's really, really important. And I will definitely, I've seen some of your videos of a lot of your breath work and I've heard lots about it. Um, Not something I've known enough to, I guess, do or like how to properly do it. So that's really great too. I think I'll go back and definitely try that. Um, midday, midday is when I could probably use some breath work for sure. <laughs> There's something to, um, I don't know if it's just an intro and it's a good visualization of breath work, but, um, on Netflix, there's the goop lab and it's Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know if you've seen it or if people have seen it, but I don't know if it's the first or second episode. One of them is on breath work and it's on Wim Hof and he's kind of one of the pioneers okay. of breath work. And mm-hmm. he has, totally changed he can go into like he does it on the video but he can go into arctic water and not get hypothermia they've injected him with ebola and he didn't contract it because he used his breath work to change the chemistry of his blood to literally amp up his immune system so much so it's really really powerful you know you've i don't know if you've heard of it or not but you know monks can meditate and do breath work for hours and hours and hours they can change their heart rate from 20 to 200 in 30 seconds just through their breath so it yeah. is a powerful tool to use. Um, and I definitely suggest, yeah. you know, checking it out. YouTube is great. You know, easy breath things. You can find some later when we talk about, um, you know, my Instagram or things like that. I've, I've put a, mm-hmm. just actually today I, I posted one about it and it was just a few subtitles of different types of breath work. So you can Google any of those and give them a try. There's beginner ones and there's more advanced ones. The one I gave you is kind of, you know, medium to a little bit higher, but that's, it's not going to be complex. And like I said, you can do it for 30 seconds. You can do it for a minute. You can try for three, whatever you feel like, but just be in a safe, comfortable place when you do it. Yeah. Yeah, don't do it while you're like on the highway or something like that. Hey, (laughs) Um, I think that's really powerful and it's really cool. I think I'll really, really try to like work that into my just every day because it really doesn't take very long. And at the end of the day, you're going to just like reset your whole way of thinking. So, yeah, I will be definitely um, trying that one. Um, I know we touched base on like a lot of the different things as far as like nutrition and what have you, but in your professional opinion, Jess, like what are your, what do you feel like the main staples to maintaining a healthy lifestyle um, so that we can be the best versions for ourselves and for our families? Yeah. So I think if we're looking for a little quick list, that's really easy. That's free that you don't need a lot of time, energy, or expertises, morning sunlight. That's one of the big things that's going to, for women, again, we're on a 24 hour hormone cycle. Men are like, not at all. Sorry, we, men are on a 24 hour cycle. So they reset women are not. So we have a, a long cycle of, you know, our, our hormones all through the month fluctuating each day, those are going to change as well. And so they're going to be different points and different peaks. And if we want to reset both our 24 hour cycle in terms of our cortisol 
and our 28-day cycle in terms of our female hormones, we need to try to use the power of the sun to do so. So if you can spend on a cloudy day, 15 minutes or more is going to be ideal. Um, And in the summer, obviously, it's better. But just get outside, get your eyes directly in the sun. Don't stare at the sun, but be outside, basically. Have light from natural sources hitting your eyes. That's going to do wonders for your hormones. Drinking clean, filtered water. Um, that's another thing we don't realize. Um, again, a rabbit hole I could get down, but fluoride is really high in water. It's also high in toothpaste and fluoride is known. There's research studies to calcify your pineal gland and that gland is actually all tied around your intuition. So your intuition is basically being stonewalled by the fluoride. So that's one thing that you can kind of do. I might've lost some some people there thinking I'm crazy, but no, 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 uh, no, you're good. You have my attention. (laughs) so that's one thing you know and as women we we live by our intuition and as moms especially right so definitely Mm -hmm. eating nourishing foods you know I go by an 80 20 rule I'm definitely eating french fries when I go out um but I feel you know good about that choice when I've made good choices at home throughout the week or whatever the case is Mm -hmm. so if you can try for an 80 20 to give your food your body the food it needs you know the the crappy foods are just going to inflame your gut and we've talked about what happens when your gut isn't working so you can see how kind of it's a cycle and obviously there's 10,000 more other processes that are kind of being degraded in the same way um so as much mm-hmm. and good sleep you know if you want to try that breath work right before sleep see if that makes a difference I bet you it does um yep. we want to be resting we want to be restoring right I want you to think of getting yourself in a space of calmness and relaxation to compete with the the stress kind of thing and that that touches based on one more thing that I want to talk about um and that is dealing with our own emotions so if we want to have the best health for ourselves for our kids for whatever we need to learn to emotionally regulate ourselves and you know I'm seeing it right now with my baby he's almost seven months when he's crying or whatever I just hold him close to me I breathe slow calm breaths within 30 seconds he's back to normal every time and so we discount how much of an impact we're having on on the kids right and if you're stressed all the time they're coming to you for a sense of safety and 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 security and that's all they know right and so if we can't be that for ourselves we're definitely not going to be able to be that for them and it's funny because, you know, in, in my world of a lot of health gurus and things that I'm talking about, it's always work on your inner child. And I always found that such a cliche term. I'm like, what? Okay. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, what did I think when I was five years old? How do I remedy that now? And then I was listening to a podcast and it clicked and it wasn't that, you know, vision, visualize your inner child. It's heal the traumas that you endured as a child. And so if you were taught right. as a baby that when you're crying and you're crying and no one's attending to your needs, you got an abandonment trauma there, right? And you didn't realize it. Yeah. And as the mom who's stressed out, you know, you didn't realize that you were doing that. I mean, none of us don't don't take any guilt around this, but we just want to acknowledge it and move forward. Or, you know, if your kid's throwing a temper tantrum and you say, you know what, go to your room. I don't want to deal with you when you're like this. Now they've expressed an emotion to you. Clearly they're frustrated or they're upset. And you just told them that you don't have space for that. And they can't come to you until they've changed, right? And so... Mm-hmm. We don't realize that because we were conditioned that way, you know, we're all kind of operating out of that system, but it's a really important time, I think, to kind of try to correct some of that so we don't push that forward in the next generation because they have so many other things to compete with in terms of social media and all the other stuff, right? So if we can figure out our own emotions, get a little curious, find where you're triggered, you know, anytime you're mad or you're angry, that should be like, okay, well, what can I do here? What can I fix in myself or work through in myself so that I'm not going to get angry, project that onto my family, be unavailable for my kids' needs or any of those things. And I think that's really going to go a long way in terms of the the mental health part of your family. Amazing, amazing words, honestly. And that I do feel like I know a lot of people are a little scared for the next generation, which in a lot of ways I kind of am, but I think there's so many people that are um, doing the work right now and that are putting in the work of like, okay, there was some trauma. Um, And, you know, maybe, maybe your parents were doing their best and they didn't realize, I just feel like our parents' generation maybe were a little more like, 
just trying to do like just trying to survive just trying to like do what they thought they were supposed to do um and there wasn't as much um emphasis on like the mental health and maybe like the um passing along the good things but i i do feel like um i feel really good about the future for a lot of our kids because i know with me like i'm <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that I'm like, why do I do that? Why do I do that? Why do I do that? When I sit and really think about it, or sometimes, you know, I'll get in those deep conversations with my spouse about like maybe our childhoods or whatever. I'm like, that's exactly why I do that. Like I, for example, I can watch the same show or the same movie over and over and over and over again. And it's really frustrating for my spouse because he's like, can we just watch something new? Like I'm so sick to death of all of the same stuff. But like, that is because like, I know what to expect. I know that I can expect like a good emotion or maybe like a sad emotion or whatever it is. And I, I can work through that and I can like control it because there was a lot in my childhood that I just couldn't control. And it freaked me out to not know what to expect when I came home at the end of the day. So I feel like that's my justification yeah. at least for it. And it totally and, is, right? Like if you were ingrained yeah. to walk on eggshells because you didn't know what, what you were going to get coming through the door or from someone else's behavior, right? Now you're mm-hmm. going to look and seek all those, you know, where can I control it? Where can I take the lead on stuff? And yeah, yeah. it's, you know, I... I joke about that because I have a, my husband just recently got a tattoo and he was panicking up to the whole date and he was having dreams about it and whatever. I'm like, you're only worried because you don't, you can't control what's happening. You hadn't seen yeah. the drawing, didn't know the, you know, what it was going to feel like yet. And so we do it, yeah. we do it all the time, you know, and, yeah. and it's in different ways. If you like got praised for doing a great job, this was me in school, right. And you'd got eighties yeah. and nineties and, and whatever. Great. Well, now I'm conditioned to think that love comes in the form of accomplishments. And so you read off my degrees and things at the beginning, you know, looking back, I'm <laughs> yeah. like, shit, I really had something to prove to myself to make myself feel good. Cause I took 10 years of university, wasted all my future money. And now I don't use any of it. Well, I do, I do, but you know what I mean? Like everything yeah. I'm learning, yeah. everything that's really holding value in my life is coming from these healing experiences or talking with like-minded people or, you know, just getting curious and doing the work. So it's funny how everything we do in adults is played out from what happens to us in a kid in in some ways and if we like you said it's an exciting time because now that we are realizing that we have the opportunity of course correct um and create you know the the kids of the future so we it's an important time to do the work for ourselves and i do think it'll translate really well to them I think so too. I think you're right. I think you're right. I try again, like really hard with my, my, for sure, my son, he's definitely like a little mini me. So he's definitely the more emotional. We discuss why, you know, even I do things or what my childhood was like, not that we get into like great, great detail or anything. Um, And then, you know, my, my spouse, my spouse's um, childhood and things like that. And it's, it's funny to, for him to even register, like, why family is the way that they are if when he sees great grandpa and then he sees grandpa and then he sees dad and yeah. he's like huh like it all, it all kind of lines up it like certain bad habits have phased out between the generations but he's like I know what I'm going to do different yeah when and, I'm an adult. and you have to be conscious of that right because if you don't start mm-hmm. practicing doing those things different it's just going to be that pattern that repeats mm-hmm. but I I want to yeah. point out one thing that you said you know from the generations is we like to put so much emphasis on genetics being the culprit of health issues. And mm-hmm. it's not so much genetics. It's these patterns of trauma, these patterns of, yeah. you know, how do we manage stress? These patterns of eating habits, right? Because if you ate the same thing growing up your whole life, well, your body's nutritionally designed to accept, want, and desire those foods. So, you know, genetics really only plays five to 30% role and the rest is generational and so when you look at the scope of your life and you look at what you're handing down for your children you know if you're making up to 95 percent of that where can you make it better for them wow i had no idea that was like the percentage that's so crazy it's just generally what you take in hey yeah wow. yeah 
I mean, and then it goes back to that's again, how my nutrition training is. And so it's epigenetics. So we all have these genes and depending on what happens to you in your life, stress, anything else like that, certain ones are flipped on or off or whatever. And those all are precursors to kind of how things play out. So the good news is that you have a lot of room to impact them positively as much as you do negatively. Um, but once you're aware <laughs> and you, you learn, right, you just continually seek, like, it's not about perfection. It's about small steps of progress and what can I do today to be better for tomorrow kind of yeah. thing. Amazing. That's awesome, Jess. Well, I had such a great, I feel like we could go on forever. Um, and you really could about this stuff. Cause it's like, it's so great to learn about really. Um, so for the people that definitely want to find you and learn more and um, listen to you talk about all this vast knowledge of how we can better ourselves, where can everybody find you? Yeah, I have a website. So my website um, just kind of goes over my story and things like that. So my my biggest area that I am on is Instagram. Instagram's where I'm posting. Um, I had to boot myself off Facebook. I couldn't stop myself from arguing with Karen, so I just had to quit. <laughs> so I'm on Facebook. <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram at the underscore wellness underscore element. Website is thewellnesselement.ca. Um, yeah, and I think that probably takes care of most of it. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I know a lot of people will be eager to go follow you and hopefully learn more because I just think there's so much value in everything that you have to offer and who we can be as women, as parents and just like humans in general. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's really what awesome. it is. You know, just yeah. we're all trying to be good humans. Yeah. That's all it is. <laughs> okay, Jess, thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime soon. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for listening to another mother podcast and being a part of our community. Remember, no matter how unique your situation, you are not alone. To be a part of the show, make episode topic suggestions, or to share your story, please email info at anothermotherpodcast.ca and make sure to follow at Another Mother Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and leave us a rating on your preferred podcast app if you enjoyed the show. Bye-bye.